Welcome to the Stainless Souls Podcast, brought to you by the Realization of Stainless Souls, a come-as-you-are church of recovery and discovery. Today is episode six. What is meditation? Where did it come from? And why do I need it? I am your host, Bob Hobbs. People used to ask Swami Kriyananda, Swami, do I need a guru? And Kriyananda would say, of course you don't need a guru. But if you want to find God, you need a guru. And today I want to talk about meditation and its place in recovery. And its place in living a full, meaningful life. Addicts and people who are codependent with addicts ask me, do I really need a program? Do I really need 12 steps? And like Kriyananda, I tell them, of course you don't need a program or 12 steps. But if you want to recover, you need a program or the 12 steps. And in episode 5, we talked about, at a high level, what those 12 steps are. And the 11th step we talked about was the prayer and meditation step. And sometimes people will say, well, is there an easier way or a program that doesn't take 12 steps? And I tell them, well, you can recover in one step if you do the 11th step and you do it well, you can recover. Because through prayer and meditation and conscious contact with God, His will for your life and the courage that you need in order to carry out His will for your life is revealed to you and from there you can discover whatever other steps are necessary for you to recover. So meditation is paramount to the recovery from addiction, codependency, PTSD slash trauma, suicidal ideation, and homelessness. The problem with it is that people who suffer from those five afflictions have a very difficult time sitting still and being quiet without, for some, having their mind run all over the place and they become even more discouraged. And others, they go you know, straight into a PTSD flashback or into a suicide attempt because what they're thinking or experiencing is horrible. So we have to be careful when we enter recovery from these five afflictions and we begin to consider the idea that we should meditate because we don't want to do harm to ourselves. So I just put that out as a caution so that if you do at some point here in the near future engage in the 90-day recovery program, and begin your meditation practice with a mindfulness practice that you're aware if things go awry, that's happened before and it's normal. 
but there are some precautions that you can take in order to avoid putting yourself in danger. And one of those is just to have another person nearby who can be a tether to your current perception of reality. So that's the preamble to today's talk. And now we'll get into the meat. Why meditation? Why do I need to meditate in order to get well, in order to feel better? And there is a ton of research and a ton of studies done on this topic. And in New England, 20, 30 years ago, a new therapy called MBSR, or Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, was invented. And that therapy was specifically to obviously reduce stress, but the stress from anxiety and depression associated with just normal living. And mindfulness meditation is how I started in 2014 on the meditative path, which became a spiritual path, which ultimately culminated in the founding of the realization of stainless souls. The Hindu scripture is called the Bhagavad Gita, and it's a story about a battle that a person named Arjuna has to do. He has to fight the material world with his spiritual army. And he doesn't want to. Because although his material attachments prevent him from merging back in with the absolute, they haven't always served him badly. They've had good times together. Fortunately, he has an advisor named Krishna who just happens to be the absolute. And although Arjuna has the freedom, the free will to choose the material side or the spiritual side, Krishna persuades him into the truth that regardless, you have to choose between the two. And it's going to be a fight. Because the spiritual side of you wants you to be spiritual. And the material side of you wants you to enjoy all of the gifts of the material and physical universe. So Krishna is Arjuna's chariot driver and they drive out to the middle of the battlefield between the material army and the spiritual army. And most of the rest of the story are the two of them having a conversation about the choice, the freedom to choose, and how one properly makes the correct choice. And ultimately, Krishna advises Arjuna, the yogi, that it's through meditation. And through meditation, by disconnecting yourself from the material, from the physical, from your attachments and desires to the material and the physical, 
you can come to know the spiritual. Come to know the truth about yourself spiritually. Come to know the truth about God spiritually. And the reason that meditation works is because the physical and material world are downplayed. The volume is turned down. The brightness is turned down. And in the silence of your mind, you allow your innermost self to emerge and become more a part of your awareness. In the Old Testament, Psalm 46, the psalmist writes, Be still and know I am God. And those two things go together. In order to know God, you must be still because God's communication comes in a form or in a way that is not of the physical or material world. Knowing God does not come through the five senses of sight, hearing, smell, taste, and tactile touch. Knowing God is something that happens deep within. And in order to get deep within, you have to meditate. Likewise, Jesus tells his disciples that when they pray, they should go into the closet, shut the door, pray in secret. And the Father who hears in secret will reward you. For those of us who study metaphysics, you know, that means meditate. Go to a place where the outer world cannot distract you. Focus in on a place within yourself where the five senses and the interpretation of the five senses in the form of thoughts is not the way you communicate. In other words, pray in secret may mean you don't use words. And likewise, the answer in secret doesn't come in words. It wells up from that place that you can touch in meditation. So when we roll out the 90-day program of recovery here in the next few days, one of the linchpins to the program is daily meditation. Early on in the program, it will be mindfulness meditation, and we'll teach you how to do that. And it will be for short durations, five minutes at a time, three or four times a day. And over the course of 90 days, you will learn how to meditate for longer periods, longer durations, and how to delve deeper into the meditative experience. So you're going to learn how to meditate. And through meditation, I personally believe that you will recover. How long that recovery may take 
varies. But if you just think about, if you know any people who are regularly practicing meditation, they're not drunks. They're not manic depressants. They aren't overly anxious. And that's because meditation changes physically, physiologically, the central nervous system in the human body. It creates new pathways for the chemicals of the central nervous system to flow. And it overall improves the health of the mind-body-soul construct. So what are we to do? What are we supposed to do? There's people who are ordinary, who are normal, who aren't afflicted with addiction, codependency, suicidal ideation, PTSD, or homelessness, and they can't quiet the mind. What are we supposed to do? You're telling me, hey, if you want to recover, you got to meditate. There's no two ways around it. But then you're telling me when I sit down to meditate, I'm either going to have a PTSD flashback, I'm going to become so depressed and discouraged, I'm going to want to blow my brains out, or I'm not going to be able to stop my thoughts from running through my head, all the things that I've done that I regret, all the things that I need to do on my to-do list later, that meditation is really an overwhelming challenge for me. So what am I supposed to do? And the answer to that question is, yes, it's true. There is no way around it. You have to learn how to meditate. But you don't have to become a sage in the first week of meditation. In fact, all you really need to do is begin a meditation practice. By beginning a meditation practice, you take the most important step. And the second most important step is don't quit. In between those two steps, everything that you need to happen happens. But it's not easy. But it's worth it. Be still and know I am God. Go into the closet, shut the door, pray in secret. And the Father who sees in secret will answer and reward you. Shortly, we'll be publishing a five-day mindfulness introduction. That will be five short talks on how to begin a mindfulness practice. And in that, you'll learn the following. Sit still and begin by just watching your thought don't be attached to your thoughts don't be attached to your idea of who the thinker of the thoughts is just sit still and watch don't judge yourself because you're thinking don't judge the thoughts because they're bad or evil or sinful. Just sit back and watch 
the mechanism of your physical being think separate yourself from the thoughts separate yourself from the thinker and watch unfortunately too many people begin a practice and they believe that because they can't quiet their mind that they're doing it wrong so many people say to me I'm never going to be able to meditate because my mind just doesn't shut up I can't sit still it's just the way I am and all of those things are patently false you can but it takes practice when you first stood up to walk when you were a child you didn't walk on the first try you fell down a lot you kept getting up finally you learned how to walk you learned how to talk you learned how to count you learned how to write you learned how to read but it took a long period of time likewise with meditation the rewards come with the practice the practice is the goal so don't worry about being able to be still don't worry about being able to be quiet just set aside five minutes of time sit down with the idea that I'm gonna sit here and watch what my mind does for five minutes I'm not going to judge what it does. I'm not going to judge myself. I'm not going to critique anything that happens. I'm just going to spend five minutes watching what it does. That's the beginning. That's how we start. Sit down with the idea for five minutes. I'm just going to watch what happens. You're not trying to go anywhere. You're not trying to do anything. You're not trying to become a sage. You just want to watch what your mind does. And that's all there is to it. So I don't expect any of you to be able to sit down, be still, and know that I am God. It happens from time to time. But for the vast majority of us, what happens is the mind goes where the mind goes. Too often we want to follow it down the drain of dirty thoughts or we become frustrated because it's not doing what we want it to or we sit there and we let the other side of our mind tell us how stupid it is that we're sitting there and all of those objections all of those things that are happening is what was happening to Arjuna on that battlefield the material army is not going to let you, initially at least, be still and know God. Because the army knows that coupled with God, you will overcome everything that it has to offer. And you will form an allegiance that is true to who you really are. So that army, the material physical army, is going to fight you tooth and nail. It's going to throw up every conceivable barrier between you and knowing God. Including the little voice that says, see, you can't sit still. That's not who you are. You're not that kind of person. 
This has to be for somebody else. Again, that's patently false. It is not true. You can choose, though. God gives you that free will. You can choose to go along with the material army for as long as you want. This lifetime and million more. But at some point, you're going to be compelled to fight. And that fight's going to happen in meditation. And ultimately, the victory is going to be won by the spiritual side. I implore you to begin the fight now. Not only will it accelerate your recovery from the afflictions of addiction, codependency, PTSD, suicidal ideation, and homelessness. But it will free your being from the desires and the attachments of the material universe. And with that freedom, the new choices that you will have are so abundant, so unbelievable, that you will exist in pure bliss, pure joy, and pure contentment. But again, it's going to be hard. And for those of you that begin to slip into the chaotic mind and following along with where it's leading you when you're trying to meditate, and that mind begins to remind you of how pathetic, how horrendous, how horrible of a person you are and that God is never going to visit you in meditation no matter how many times you go into it no matter how many lifetimes you spend with it you're so pathetic you're never going to make it I want you to remember this a part of you is incorruptible invulnerable immortal and stainless stainless souls each and every one of us it's true whether you believe it or not and join the battle begin looking at what happens in your mind right now on purpose and you will become free from that which threatens your physical existence so much to look forward to in this existence and any other existence. Thank you for listening.